I want to talk to you today about getting a new default for your life. A new default for your life. A new default for your life. In other words, under pressure, all of us will fall back to what we really believe. And if you're going to be around in the next 10 months, if you're going to be going for God in the next 10 years, if you're going to be around for the next 50 years, you're going to have to know that under pressure, you're going to fall back to the right things to believe, not the wrong things to believe. You've got to fall back to the things that are going to sustain you and hold you when the storms of life come and the troubles and the twists and turns happen up in life. And so Ephesians chapter 4 says this, No more immature behaviour amongst us. Children are easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to speak it in love, to be like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthily in God, robust in love. Growing up healthily in God. And I just want you to understand that if you're here, whether it's the first time or whether you're here many, many times, God is communicating that He wants you to grow up. He wants you to grow from strength to strength, from stature to stature, from faith to faith by His incredible, consistent, everlasting love. Amen. And so these are the summaries that I really want us to just build into the soul of our church, build it into your life. Well, it's summarized like this. I know what to do. How do you know you're growing up spiritually? I know what to do. You know, you know you're going to grow up spiritually when you know what to do. You're not going to grow up spiritually if you don't know what to do. How can you grow up spiritually if you don't know what to do? So growing up spiritually is simply this. I actually know what to do. What do you know what to do? I know that I'm going to stay thankful. Easter's coming. What a great time to be thankful. Be the one that comes back and gives thanks unto God. (laughs) Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a complicated, annoying, narcissistic, hedonistic, selfish. (laughs) I'm just talking about you, not me. No, 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 sorry. I'm talking about me, not you. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a stinking wretch like me. I know how to stay thankful. If I'm going to grow up spiritually, I'm going to stay thankful. I I know what to do. I'm going to keep worshipping. Well, I don't feel like it. You've got to get beyond your feelings. You've got to get beyond your feelings. You see, What makes the difference with our lives is we've actually given it to Christ, which means let Christ be the difference maker. And I don't feel like worshipping, but because of Christ, I'm going to keep worshipping. Why? Because I know that's my lifeline. I know that's what's going to pull me through. I know that's what's going to help me. I know that's what's going to sustain me. Is there any worshippers in the house? Worship is easy when life is good. But can you worship when it's not going well? What separates you and me from everybody else is not that we are highlyistically moral. Though our morals should be improving because He is our compass. But that's not what makes a Christian a Christian. 
But Christianity is not about how good your morals are. Christianity is the grace of God. It's what we, you and I get when we don't deserve it. That's what makes Christianity amazing is I get what I don't deserve. That's why it's amazing. Tomorrow you're gonna walk into your company and the boss is gonna pull you into the office and say, I just wanna let you know, we're gonna give you a pay rise. And you, you, you wanna go, uh, why? Some of you, you, you would say that because you, you haven't learned to keep your mouth shut. Because the longer they have to listen to you or talk to you, they may change their mind and go, forget it, it's just too complicated. You know what? I just wanted to bless you. I wanted to give you a pair of rice, but here you are with your 15 questions. Why? Yeah, 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 yeah. Forget it, no pay rise. Get out of here. You're laughing, but I often wonder sometimes whether we complicate things so quickly. Hey, can I buy you a drink? Oh no, it's okay. Okay, can I buy you a drink and you don't have to buy me one back in return. Okay, I love a drink. Complicated. I give you a pay rise. You just shut your mouth and just say, Dankeschön. And you walk out. Now in your head, you're gone. And this is the thing about, we expect maybe at the end of the week, I've worked hard, I'll get a pay rise. In other words, I've earned it. I deserve it. And it better happen. But very few of us expect it to be at the start where we haven't done anything yet. And that's the difference with Christianity is Christianity is you start with all that heaven has because it's got nothing to do with you and I and my performance. You see, what happens is if you give someone a pay rise, if you're kind to them with no other reasons except you are kind, it lifts everybody. Kindness is such a lifter. You want to lift productivity in your business? Start bringing kindness back to the, the, the narrative and you'll be shocked how incredible. You want to build your, 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 your business with entitlement? Go ahead, make everything free. But if you want to build the culture of any environment, your family, your home, your marriage, your friendships, anything, you're going to have to bring a different story into the equation and kindness literally lifts everybody. And that's how God lifts our lives. He lifts us with kindness. I know what to do to stay thankful, to keep worshiping. I know to keep taking communion. You know, there is communion available every Sunday, every service. You don't need a priest to take communion. You just got to be right with Jesus to take communion. And so I think these are some things I know where to go. I need to go, I go to His Word. Growing up spiritually for you this year is, I know where to go. I actually know what to do. I know where to go. I'm going to go to His Word. I'm going to go to His house. I'm going to go to His presence. I'm going to go to His Word. I'm going to go to His house. I'm going to go to His presence. 
It's been a hellish week. Go to His house. It's been a nightmare month. Go to His house. I don't know if I can get through. Go to His house. I don't know what to do. Go to His Word. Go to His house. Go to His presence. Surround yourself. Growing up spiritually is gonna come when you say, I know where to go. And this is where I think it separates and it helps those to go from childhood to maturity. I know what to say. I'm gonna speak His promises. I'm gonna declare His goodness. I'm gonna praise His name. I'm gonna speak His promises. I'm gonna declare His goodness. I'm gonna praise His name. Everything I'm sharing with you today, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But it's not easy. You've got a purpose to do this. You've got a purpose to do this. And I really want to encourage you to really make a commitment this year that you're going to grow spiritually this year like you've never done before. Whether you're just starting on this journey of faith, many decisions that have come to faith in the last couple of years are here. Not everyone who's made a decision is here, but many, many are. And we've got to look out for those who are new to faith, new to Christ. And those who have been a believer for years, don't take it for granted. Don't get rusty dusty in your faith, amen. Stay fired up, stay oiled up in Jesus' name. And what can you do to help someone else? I mean, we got these discovery nights. Well, maybe you're not doing anything on team right now. Why don't you turn up at discovery nights and help others to discover the goodness of God in Jesus' name? Well, no one asked me. I'm asking you. And better than me, heaven's asking you in Jesus' name. Well, I got no time. Oh, stop it. If you don't want to go, that's your choice. But I'm asking you to consider, are you going to be around? Because you're making kingdom choices about your life. And so these are the things. And so I love what Paul says. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 6, God is strong and He wants you to be strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the finest, best material. Put them to use so that you'll be able to stand against the enemy, whatever the enemy throws your way. There is no casual volleyball uh, volleyball in the park that you'll walk away from and forget in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the enemy of all the fallen angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, you'll be standing on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential on the ongoing warfare. Pray with authority and determination. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out like the people in the magazines at Hillsong London. Hey, by the way, I could have used our own story because I see all the photos of the last 10 years and we're getting ready to celebrate 10 years this year. And don't forget to keep the date, the 28th or the 4th of August, because it's going to be very, very special. And I don't want you to miss out. But I, I look at all the photos of the last 10 years and there's a lot of people who are just not here anymore. Offended, wrong relationship, got into the wrong company. Yeah, some people choose to move away because door opens up for them in other parts of the world. That's fine by all means. But by far, a lot of it is just got taken out because they were children in their faith instead of strong with the armour of God. 
One of the parts of the armor, the seven parts, one of them is the breast. I have to say this slowly because I get this wrong. The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. And obviously the armor component is that it covered your chest. It covered the vital organs. So God is so gracious that He would give us armor, His armor to protect us. In fact, all of Christianity is impossible in human effort. Every step of Christianity is supernatural. You cannot get saved on your own. You cannot stay strong on your own. You cannot receive wisdom. On your, you need Him every second of your relationship with Him. And that's the difference between religion and relationship. So the breastplate of righteousness, what does it do? It protects you. So obviously, uh, 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 when you have armor, some of the armor is defensive. In other words, it will you go into battle and this is what's going to protect you. It's going to protect you. You've got to protect your heart. You've got to protect your vital organs. And, and the biggest battle in life is your heart. Why? Because whatever's got your heart's got your life. Who's in your heart? What offense is in your heart? What disappointment have you, lot got, lot have you let got into your heart? Is your heart divided? Maybe your heart's maybe not hurt, but maybe it's divided. It's like, well, God and something else. And I just think this is what the breastplate of righteousness really does for us. It protects us. Righteousness means right standing with God. So how are you going to protect your life? You're going to protect your life with the revelation, I am right with God. I am right with God. What does it mean to be right with God? Well, let me give you some more of the breakdown. Righteousness is a relational word. It means you fit. You fit. It means that if you can get into God's table, you can actually sit in God's table and you fit. Now imagine if the Queen of England, Joyce would love this, you have to send this to her, and she's having a banquet table and all the heads of state are there and it's glorious and beautiful and magnificent. Maybe the dinner for one is an illustration for some of you. You've seen it so many times. It's an English thing, but Germany loves it. Can't figure that one out. But, but imagine if the Queen is having a beautiful banquet table and she's laid the table gloriously, all the heads of state, and then she's looking down the table and Mark Patrick Wilkinson, the Irishman, is sitting right there, right next to the ambassador of... of Germany. And, and, and everyone's looking regal, everyone's looking fantastic, and there's Mark. I wouldn't fit. I wouldn't fit. I would feel so uncomfortable at that table. Why? I don't know what to do with more than three forks. I'm only raised with one fork mentality. I don't know what happens if there's more than one. I don't know what to do with three knives. I only understand what to do with one. I just know you reach over, you put your knife in the butter and you get a slab for yourself and you put it on your plate. I don't know that there's protocols. I don't know there's a certain way to do things and not do things. I'm like, my goodness, they give me more cutlery than I know what to do with. I would look at it and I'd go, well, you can't get these in Ikea. Who would know automatically that you don't fit at that table? But at the end of the day, you have to believe because of Jesus, you are a perfect 
fit with God. Like me, I felt uncomfortable. And I think for a lot of us that we begin to understand that coming to God's presence can make us uncomfortable. In one side, it resonates with us because we know this is what I've been looking for. But then there's other things that kind of feel like, well, you know what, that's... And this is why we've got to build a church where it's about Jesus, not about our traditions. We have a culture, but let's not use the culture, well, uh, I've got to come to church with a black uh, suit and a white shirt and a black tie. That, listen, that is not Christian. Now, don't get me wrong. If you come to church with a tie, go for it. Don't worry about anyone else. But what I am saying is, is let's not give people our subculture. Let's give people the real deal. And that is Jesus, amen. And I want you to know that, that I obviously learned to realize what was appropriate for bringing to the table. But what I want you to know is, is that the moment you make your peace with Jesus, you are a perfect fit at God's table. And this is why growing up spiritually is so important. And this is what I need you to understand is, is that growing up spiritually is I'm more aware of my sinfulness than ever before. I'm more aware of my, I don't measure up but I actually know what to do with it. I know what to, where to go and I know what to say. See, the journey of humility is this. The narrative of heaven or the narrative of Jesus is always pride and humility. Pride doesn't know who it is. Pride is wrong identity. Humility is I know who I am and I know who God is. See, so when you're prideful, what you do is, is you don't know who you are. So if you don't measure up, you have to overproject. You have to pretend. You have to cover up. You have to lie, cheat, steal, beg, borrow, and do whatever you have to do. Why? Because you know deep down you're inferior and you don't want to let them know that. So you cover up. And so what happens is pride will cover, but it doesn't cover you up with truth. It covers you up in lies. And so to be accepted, we'll tell another lie. And to be included, we'll tell another lie. So what does pride do? It takes you down a road, not of truth, but a road of lies. And to tell one, you've got to tell another. To tell another, you've got to tell another. To tell another, you've got to tell a whole lot more to cover up. And next thing, you've got a company of lies that are not really your friends, but they're going to tear your life apart. So what does pride do? It destroys you because you don't know who you are. What does humility do? Well, humility does something completely different. It admits that you don't have it all together. It admits that you're full of weakness and failure. It admits that you're sinful, but what does it do? But it says, but Jesus will cover you. He covers you in truth, not lies. He gives you new garments. The garment of righteousness is clothed upon you. Why? So you don't have to go, God is a fake. You don't have to go to God, fake it till you make it. You don't have to fake anything with God. Come as you are, just as you are, and let His love transform you, uphold you, sustain you, mess with you. But this is something we need to talk about. Why? Because you're not gonna be around in 10 months if you don't walk in the truth. You're not gonna be around in 10 years if you don't know that you are righteous. So what does humility do? It clothes you. When Adam and Eve in the garden found out that they were naked and they were with guilt and they were sinful. And they, what did God do? He killed an animal, He shed blood and He made them skins of animal uh, skins and He covered them. What is God doing? Covering. What is God gonna do? Cover. He covers you. He doesn't expose you. He covers you. God's gonna cover you. 
He covers you in wholeness. He covers you in holiness. He covers you in Christ. Why is this going to help me? Because when you know the truth, the truth that you know, intimacy with the truth will set you free. You're going to make more progress than you've ever done. You're going to go further than you ever imagined. Not because you're such a super Christian. It's because you know where your source is. I know that I haven't got it all together, but I know that He does. And so pride will cover you in lies, but humility will cover you in truth. So humility, the journey of humility is, I know that I don't measure up, but I know that He does. It keeps you going. And so this is what I just want you to understand. Under pressure, under pressure, under pressure, you will fall back to your original default. And the original default for you and I is sin nature. And I have, forgive me, I've run out of time. I'm going to do this in the next service, kind of part B, if you want to call it that. The, the, the sin nature is something that you and I, we all have it. And this is what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 20. It says, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Not a single person. So sin nature is in all of us. And if you don't believe me, think about children. Did you have to work hard at teaching your children how to lie? In the morning, I want you to know, little Johnny, I'm gonna give you 15 lessons on how to lie today. You know, you don't have to give Johnny one lesson at all on the ability and the gift of lying. Can any honest person in this room say amen? We know it instinctively. You don't have to labour to train your kids on how to be selfish. See, human nature by nature is sin-oriented. What is sin? Sin is basically, the Bible defines it in different ways. I want to be my own God. Sin is building our identity on anything else except God. In other words, I must have this in order to be content. I must have that in order to be happy. I must have that in order to be satisfied. In other words, God is not good enough. Anyone in the room be willing to admit that we are a little bit more sinful than we would like to admit? Oh, what did you learn on Sunday? I'm a stinking sinner. Oh, that's so good. I'll come with you next week. No, that's not how it rolls. But where can we talk about this if we can't talk about it in the house of God? This is what righteousness protects you from. And so I want you to understand this concept or this reality is God is not enough. It hits too many of us too quickly. Our failure to trust God, to miss the mark. And so I want you to know that you are no longer a slave to sin. And this is what Romans is all about. The book of Romans is all about this. And this is why you need the armour of God. This is why you need to keep the breastplate of righteousness on. Why? It's going to protect your heart. It's going to protect your life. It's going to protect your future in Jesus' Name. How do you know you've got the armour on? Because I'm becoming unoffendable. It's because I know who I am. And I'm not going to go to this and that and everywhere else. I'm growing up spiritually because I actually know that my righteousness is a gift from God. 
My righteousness is a gift from God. Can you say it with me today? My righteousness is a gift from God. What does that mean? It means that your right standing with God is a gift that is given to you because of Jesus. Now that you're righteous, you can go to Him without any barriers. Well, I just want the apartment. Go to God. Well, I just want my body to be healed. Go to God. I just want to go the distance. Go to God. I just want to have a breakthrough. Go to God. I want to know the truth. Go to God. We go to everyone else except God, but if we can change it around and say, you know what? Righteousness says, I'm going to go to my Father. I'm always going to go to my Father. My Father will provide for me. My Father will heal me. My Father has answered this. My Father has solved this. You have a heavenly Father and He is working on your behalf. That's the good news. Will you let God work on your behalf? Will you let God bring you to better days? Will you let God lead you and lead you through the better days of your life? That's what righteousness does. It protects you. No one's gonna take you out. Why? Because you have a beautiful breastplate of righteousness. Where did you get it? From God. How do you get it? By asking Jesus into your heart in Jesus' Name.